Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cunio. We've had so much going on lately, personally, at work, all the things. What have you guys been up to like in your personal lives lately? I just got done having a kid-free weekend, which was kind of crazy, but a little needed. I hate to say that. Yeah. So we, our kids didn't have school. And so grandparents luckily have been really helping us out because they had a half day and then no school. And and so it's just been a lot on us because we still have to work. And so it's really not fun for the kids to sit home all day while we're working. Um, So anyways, they ended up being gone for the whole weekend, which worked out really well. We went downtown Detroit and just kind of hopped around, had some good meals and enjoyed each other's company. It was quite nice. You always need that. That's always very important. It's a good little refresher. Yeah. Life. Yeah. Yeah, That is so nice. I miss them though. I'm ready for them to come back. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's good for everybody, right? I think it's, and it's nice our kids like so easily go to grandparents and stay the night. Like it's just no big deal. Yeah. And then your the grandparents, I'm sure love that time, you know, oh. they, cause they, they get to just spoil them. Oh, and they do. Terrible. So, yeah. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. They be bopped between uh, my parents and Brian's parents. So they got everybody. That's great. Yeah. It was very nice. It was very nice. Timothy, what's up with you? What have you been doing this weekend? Well, this weekend we had a tragedy. The worm got a riff in it, so no. Glacier was depressed. <laughs> Not the worm. So we, the worm, you know how important the worm is. Yeah. So uh, we put new stuffing in it, fixed the tear, and she's all happy. And right now she just brought it to me, <laughs> just showing how proud she is that we fixed the worm. Timothy, for those who don't know, let's explain what is the worm. <laughs> The worm is a six-foot caterpillar with all different colors and antlers, and that is her look like. You know, everybody antlers. knows Linus. From- <laughs> yeah, tennis. my antlers, but little and antlers. <laughs> the worm has antlers. I was now. like, this is a unique worm. <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, like Linus has his blanket. Uh-huh. Yeah, peanut. Mm-hmm. This is her blanket. So, so everywhere, she, everywhere we travel, the worm goes with. Yeah, it's Leader Dog Glaciers little toy. Well, I'm so well, glad big that toy. The, the worm has pulled through. That sounds like an intense yes. uh, situation this weekend. It was. She knew something happened and she was depressed till she saw the worm. <laughs> All is well. That is good. That That's is good. Hilarious. Yeah. And Christina, what about you? Any tragedies in your life <laughs> this weekend? <laughs> Thankfully, no tragedies. Just, you know, I'm doing a lot of like spring cleaning type mm. stuff. I'm kind of just, this past weekend was like, well, you know, I had a couple things to do, but those weekends when you don't have too many applications, you got to get all that other stuff in. Yeah. So it's basically what I was doing was like starting to go through my clothes and cleaning, which is fun, not, um, but yeah. So you so, adulted. Oh, yeah, you were adulting. I know. This week. You know, Leslie was having fun. Timothy was fixing tragedies and I was just adult. Now who's the old one? Let's talk about that. <laughs> Christina always says, I'm so old. But now I was out having a good old time. I know. Spring cleaning over there. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's fine. All right. All right. Well, today our yeah. guests are both Leader Dog team members who are instrumental in our Puppy Prison Razor Initiative. 
Yes, we've had so many people ask us to talk about this. And our two guests, their first one is Bev Ferguson, and she's been a member of the Leader Dog team for 29 years and is the manager of canine development. She oversees the development and execution of the puppy development team. She has also raised 13 puppies for Leader Dog, and she started when she was 11 years old and has housed three female breeding stock dogs. And our second guest is Vijay Yoshi. She joined Leader Dog as a volunteer puppy raiser in 2014. Currently, she works as a puppy coordinator in puppy development. As a coordinator, she oversees 80 to 100 puppy raisers and dogs, and she really enjoys working with those puppy raisers, whether they're raising in a correctional facility, on a college campus, or in an outside family environment. I'd like to thank both of you all for being on this podcast today. I've seen this on YouTube, how this process works, and this is a win-win for everybody because it helps a client, and it also helps somebody who's in one of those facilities. So, Thank you guys for doing this. Do you guys mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Start off with Bev. All right. Well, thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here and talk about one of our favorite initiatives as well in our puppy raising program. And um, as Christina mentioned, all of my background with Leader Dog, I have pretty much made this a lifelong uh, adventure and started out as a volunteer when I was 11 and you know, here I am several decades later, still involved and as a team member. So love what I do. And I'm so excited to talk to you today about our prison program. And Vijay, what about you? Well, first and foremost, I want to reiterate what Beth said. Thank you so much for having us uh, to get the word out there on how near and dear these programs meet to us in puppy development. It's just a fabulous opportunity. My journey started with a hot air balloon ride, <laughs> and that got me um, into puppy raising because I met a puppy raiser. The pilot on that hot air balloon ride was a puppy raiser. And from being a volunteer puppy raiser, I went into counseling at one of the correctional facilities. So I, I'm really excited to share with you as much as you need for this. How cool. Yeah, it right? <laughs> I was not expecting it. I, I went for a hot air balloon ride and my family wasn't expecting it, but I haven't turned back. Yeah. Um, That's yeah, awesome. That's so, so cool. You just never know, you know, days take a turn pretty quickly. I love that. That's really, really neat. So Bev, do you mind just telling us about the the Correctional Facility Initiative and how it got started and maybe the correct term so we make sure we're saying it right the the rest of the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So uh, about 22 years ago, I was fortunate enough to take the phone call. Um, It started from a uh, prison guard in Iowa who also happened to be a Lions Club member. And so that was the tie-in to Leader Dog. He had seen a program about puppies being raised in a correctional facility, but not for our organization. And because he was a Lions Club member and linked into Leader Dog, he wanted to know if that was something we would consider at his facility. And so he gave me a call. He gave a very passionate plea about why we should do this. And, you know, there was just something about his voice on the phone that made me really take notice and be interested in at least exploring the option. I was in my early 20s at the time. And, you know, the thought of going to an all-male correctional facility 
several states away from Michigan uh, was not uh, an easy decision. <laughs> um, but uh, mm-hmm. when I started talking to my supervisor at the time, he said, you know, go with your gut. What does your gut tell you to sit, to do? And do you think this would be a good thing for Leader Dog? So oddly enough, as anybody who's involved with Leader Dog, we all know that there's kind of these interlocking webs that we weave about how we get from one place to another. So my mom and I happened to be competing in one of our dog sports that we do as our hobby, and we were going to be going to Nebraska for it. And so we decided that Nebraska's near Iowa, sort of, kind of. And while we were out there, this would be an opportunity for us to at least go in it and see the facility. And so I made an appointment to meet with the warden and some of the people there, and they took me on a tour of the correctional facility. And I was really surprised it was not what I expected. It wasn't what I see on TV um, where they show all the worst parts that happen in a correctional facility. And uh, what this really reminded me of was a little bit more like a college campus that happened to be behind fencing. Um, the, The rooms didn't have the bars that you pull across. They had doors. Um, the, they didn't have what you call cells, but they had rooms. Um, and, and it was more, like I say, it was more like a college campus. And of course we were working and looking at the guys that they consider in their honors unit. So I'm sure there were portions on their campus that looked like that, but that's not where our guys would be housed. So I, I had a really good feeling when I left there from meeting with the warden who years later, um, we just had such a great working relationship with, uh, obviously the very passionate Lions Club member that was uh, a guard there. And it really had all the makings of a really great opportunity. So the one piece we were lacking was a volunteer that was going to be able to go in for us and work with those inmate raisers every day or, or uh, during the month. And lo and behold, we had one raiser in Iowa at the time, and she happened to live just about an hour away from this correctional facility. Her and her husband were state troopers for Iowa. <laughs> so here's wow. where this web starts to get very interwoven. Um, so Carol Ann uh, actually wasn't working as a state trooper at the time, and uh, her husband still was. And so they were very interested and very excited about the opportunity to help and support this. They were only raising their first puppy at the time. Um, And they continued to raise puppies and be a part of our correctional facilities in Iowa for the next 20 years. Uh, They raised uh, 20 puppies while doing so. And over the time, they were part of three different correctional facilities in Iowa that at sometimes one of the facilities alone was raising almost a hundred puppies. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It uh, it certainly was absolutely uh, an amazing opportunity and uh, really a great time 
we had so many great things happen from it. And uh, so, so during the time we were raising there, obviously getting to know Warden McKinney, uh, James McKinney, who was the warden that uh, we started with, uh, he was very passionate as well and helped grow in Iowa uh, the, this mission for us to raise. But we still couldn't get into Michigan, which was, was really interesting that we had all of this going for us in Iowa, but we really just couldn't transition into Michigan until we met another warden who took that passion and helped us grow, and that was uh, Warden Randy Haas. And uh, through there, he helped us get into the Michigan Department of Corrections. We've had as many as 12 uh, prison facilities in Michigan. Wow. And we are currently at nine uh, in Michigan. We have one facility in Minnesota. And so uh, all of those facilities are what we call min- or what are called in the facilities in the prison program. They're called minimum security or minimum secured facilities. Yeah. All of our facilities are all men, which is another question we get asked all the time. Uh, mo- and that is really because most facilities are male facilities. There is only one women's correctional facility in Michigan, and they have a dog program currently. So we only work in facilities that have no other dog programs because we we do put in young puppies into the facilities. And so we want to make sure that we're not cross-contaminating germs with another organization and keeping our puppies safe and healthy. This is amazing, Bev. I have never, I never knew how this, yeah, how (sighs) everything flowed and went together. So, you know, I'm sure people are curious, what's it like to actually, VJ, be in that prison and work with those people in the correctional facilities? Oh my goodness. So make no mistake. Entering a prison can't be mistaken for anything else. (laughs) It's a prison. But what is a surprise is that once inside and you get to the location of where the puppy class is being held, the focus moves away from the prisoners, the sergeants, the crimes, and the sentences being served. It becomes about those puppies. It becomes about the mission, preparing the puppy to become a potential guide dog. And henceforth, how that's going to impact one of our clients. Uh, I remember very vividly the first time I entered um, the facility, which I became a counselor for, uh, and I had to go through security um, just to walk through a metal detector and all the things. The staff, they were so welcoming, they were so kind, and they made it as smooth and fluid as possible. Um, and once at the location, usually our classes are held in gyms the majority of the time. And sometimes they're held in the cafeteria, uh, depending on the size and depending on the schedule. But once in that area, it's all about learning. It's all about the puppies. Uh, Bev mentioned about our liaisons who are an intricate part in working with our counselors and also our coordinators and they organize this for us. Um, The inmate staff and prison as a whole, they're all brought together for a single purpose. Uh, 
to help their puppies succeed. Uh, no one forgets where we're at, <laughs> but there's a larger purpose. And the trainings are about an hour to two hours long, depending on the facility and uh, what they can offer. And the skills that we cover are just the same as any other puppy raisers working on for that month. Every month there's a new skill that a puppy raiser has to work on with their puppies, um, both for themselves and the puppy they're raising. And it's the same in the correctional facility. Um, it, it, it is a joy to see these raisers learn and grow and then it's a celebration when one of their dogs graduates and gets matched up. So I'm curious, you know, the, what are the benefits, I guess I would say, for both us and on the other end of the prisoners and the correctional facility? So I'd like to share a little bit about what happens uh, for our guys that are raising. Uh, we use positive reinforcement through how we raise our puppies mm -hmm. and we train our dogs. And we transfer that teaching method to our inmate population, of which most of them have never learned this way. And so before you know it, they're working in teams. They are very positive. They are very uh, engaged, as Vijay says. They're so engaged and passionate about what they do with their puppies. And they're honored that we are giving them a chance with this living, breathing puppy that comes into their lives and doesn't judge them for what they've done in the past. Um, this puppy loves them for who they are. And so you take all of that together and they, they just become uh, just really engaged in the whole process. And for us, some of the benefits are we get razors that because they're going to be incarcerated for several years, uh, some of them. Some of them are nearer there, um, nearer to getting out and released, and then they start raising for us when they're on the outside. Mm -hmm. But but when they're when they're inside, so we call them inside and outside raisers. So uh, our inside raisers, um, if they're going to be there for multiple years, we get the benefit of having that razor get better and better and better at what they do with each puppy that they receive. And then they start to mentor and coach the new people coming in to the puppy raising process. Mm -hmm. And again, what you see is this teamwork and things that you never re really see from this population of guys. When we first started, one of the things that the very first facility, all the way through every facility that we've worked with has said, is that once you start putting puppies in with these inmate raisers, you start to see a different line of communication between the guards and the inmate pup puppy raisers. And they also see a diffusion of altercations and fights that happen within the population in, as a whole. And we've seen that and we've heard that from every single facility that we've gone into. So there's there's just so many benefits yeah. to what we see and what they see in the facilities themselves. I love that. Do you mind telling us what the success rate of these dogs are? And I heard that uh, the prisoners that are, are in these facilities 
the return rate coming back to prison is lower because of these dogs. They've impacted these prisoners' lives so much. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, recidivism rate is uh, is completely um, changed with the guys who raise puppies for us. Very few of them ever wind back up into prison. Um, and, and in Michigan, they look at that as uh, two years outside of the facility. Um, so they have to be out and stayed out for at least two years. Um, but we find that most of the the guys that raise for us, this changes their life to a point where they don't ever want to come back. They they want to be part of something bigger. They were given a, an option to do something really great, and uh, they just learn a different way of life. And we've we've had several that have come back and raised puppies for us uh, while they've been on the outside, and they just continue their journey that way. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. I think that's amazing that, you know, not only are they doing such a great thing for our organization, but we're also able to help them, you know, maybe got a new change skill their life too. Yeah. That's awesome. So VJ, I'm curious. So when you're going in there, you know, one of the things we talk about with puppy raisers or outside puppy raisers is their exposure, right? So they're taking dogs to all sorts of different environments and exposing them to new things. How are you able to do that with our inside puppy raisers? Or do we notice a difference or any anything along those lines? Oh, no, you heard about my three ring circus. No, I didn't. No, I have no idea, but now I'm delighted to learn about it. Yes. <laughs> so when I go in um, the correctional facility, you have to understand that they don't have a lot of the exposure, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty sure you're imagining already that the outside racers do. Mm -hmm. There aren't Christmas tree decoration opportunities. There aren't um, Easter egg hunts. There aren't children there running around. Um, There aren't aren't a lot of things, a bicycle, a skateboard. So when I first started, uh, a lot of the counselors that were already working in these facilities gave me a lot of ideas on games, on props, on objects to bring to help these puppies and these razors work on things that weren't in the facilities. So I got the acronym Three Ring Circus because I would bring so many things in that the guy said, oh, hey, VJ, you got your Three Ring Circus because <laughs> I would be bringing in hula hoops. I would be bringing in um, little bunny rabbits that clap their hands and are hopping and little weasels that are rolling around on the ball. And so they, they just have a blast to have the opportunity to have these things, little automotive cars, right? Things that we do not think of, sounds, CDs of sounds, um, trains, horns, um, maybe birds or animals or children laughing. Uh, We use so many different items that we try to get these skills worked with the puppies, but in that own environment there. So even though they don't see the children, they hear the voices. And sometimes when they have um, visitation, if there are family members that come, they can go there. So it's really a unique but opportunity for a counselor or a staff member or volunteer to get creative, correct? Um, 
You you have Christmas tree light up decoration games. You have tic tac toe games. You have musical chairs. You have a mock airplane that we set up, and you get seated. A lot of things that you think, oh, well, how are you going to do that in the prison? We probably already have <laughs> because we brought the three ring circus in. So. Um, some of the counselors that are outside counselors say, well, we want to go to prison with you. Right. I want to be part of the circus. It sounds like a great time. I want to go and play. So I'm curious. So then we, we bring the dogs back just like we do for our outside raisers. What communication then do our inmates receive about their dog? Um, so the communication that they receive is through their liaison, they get the same updates that an outside razor would get as the dog progresses. Uh, if the dog is matched with a client, hopefully they will get that update as well. Emails go directly to the liaison of the facility and they will share it with the group that raised that dog. If a dog is career changed, that information goes as well. So any updates, that are given to any other razor are similarly given to the liaison to get these razors. That's awesome. I think that's so great. Are there any, any, uh, I don't know, what do I want to say? Like really unique thing. I mean, obviously the three ring circus is quite <laughs> unique and the whole pro, uh, program is unique, but I'm just curious, any like stories that really stand out or successes or anything like that that you'd want to share? Well, I, I think right now we have a puppy razor who, uh, we've had many success stories of, of guys that have continued on when they uh, leave uh, the facilities and come into mainstream life again. Uh, but we have a couple. One is a puppy raiser right now who raised in Iowa, um, and he is currently raising. Uh, he raised for a very active client of ours who ended up be, um, winning Guide Dog of the Year. And uh, he was so proud of of that uh, opportunity, and he still continues to raise uh, now. Um, we have another one of our uh, raisers uh, after he left the facility again, continuing to raise puppies, but he is also taking a Karen Pryor dog training certification cool. courses so that he can get even better and understanding and then also help others, which um, going back to, I mentioned, Warden Jim McKinney uh, was so instrumental in in helping us understand really what our role was. And as a warden, he always would say, my job is to give these guys as many opportunities and skills to be good on the outside when they leave because they're going to be neighbors for someone. And I want them to be the best neighbor they can be. And I think we think about that a lot. Like we want them to be the best version of themselves when they leave. And we get story after story, letter after letter of guys telling us how this has changed their life. It has impacted their life. And uh, all of the things that the dog, not only the dog, the puppies have done for them, but also what we as an organization have done for them to be able to help them think about their life differently and give them another opportunity. I did want to mention a really exciting uh, course that we do offer outside of puppy raising as well, 
we were very fortunate to receive a large grant and we put together a dog trainer professional course. And this is a written course that our guys can take whether they're raising puppies or not. And they, they read through chapters, they have to take testing. And once they go all the way through, which if they work really hard, they may finish in about nine months to a year. It's a very extensive course. But when they leave, they're not only, they haven't only just been, been puppy raisers for Leader Dog and learned how to raise a puppy for our organization, but this course expands their knowledge so that when they leave, they have other dog skills that they can go on and then share and run dog training classes and uh, maybe go help and work at other facilities that work with dogs or animals because they have this certification uh, that comes from Leader Dog that says they completed this course with us. Um, and so that's been really exciting and really advancing in their knowledge. And during COVID, when the prison facility shut down and we had to take back all of the puppies because they couldn't care for them in that environment, it still gave the guys hope and something to do that was involved with us, that they could continue on in their courses and, and do different things. And so that's been really exciting and beneficial uh, continuing through how we're helping just share what we do and, and how we do it. That's incredible. And I want, or we want to thank both of you for all of the work that you're doing. I think that's absolutely incredible. And I can absolutely hear the passion in both of your voices. You love what you guys are doing and you guys are making such a difference um, all over the place. So thank you so much for not only doing what you do, but also joining us here today. Our pleasure, for sure. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you so much to our listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cuno and Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoyed learning about our Prison Puppy Initiative. Please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. If you'd like to learn more about applying to Leader Dog for free services or being a puppy raiser, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead at leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. If you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream. This season of the Taking the Lead podcast is brought to you by a longtime supporter of Leader Dog, the Mary P. Dolciani Halloran Foundation. As you may know, generous donors like this one make it possible to achieve our mission. The Mary P. Dolciani Halloran Foundation supports the study of mathematics and mathematics education. For more information about our generous sponsor, visit their website at www.dolcianihalloranfoundation.org.